to reach women who were probably on the precipice of having an abortion. Uh, we call that direct response marketing and trying to get them just to merely pick up the phone or text and uh, connect with a helpline that would then refer them to a good pregnancy help center, formerly called crisis pregnancy centers. If they came in and they got some medical attention and some counseling, and especially if they had an ultrasound and saw the ultrasound picture, the numbers vary, but anywhere from 75 to you know, the high 80% of women who see an ultrasound picture of their child choose life. So it was a game changer. And that's when ultrasounds were just starting to be in almost every pregnancy health center there, there was 2005, 2010, 2015 is when that really became prevalent. Mm. So the key is uh, finding these women who are in crisis pregnancies, somehow getting them their attention and getting them to a crisis pregnancy center. And uh, like you say, the, the technology is constantly changing. So you're the president. I didn't mm-hmm. mention Brett Atterbury is now, is he's the CEO? He uh, he, and he's a, a, a really bright guy. I know you've got a, a book, one of his books there. Uh, yes. t- tell us about him because he's got an interesting background. He does. So he spent 30 years in corporate American product marketing. So he really understands marketing. And he was just moved to get more involved in pro-life work to the extent that he just wanted to switch careers. And he did. And he went to work for Heroic Media eight years ago. I think yesterday was his eight-year anniversary. And he was in charge of all of our marketing, then became CEO a few years ago. And so this really is a digital media marketing play. And you said that we're trying to get people to pregnancy help centers. And that's true, but the landscape is changing. So one way to put it is the battle used to be fought on the ground, but it's not being fought on the ground anymore, less and less every day. It's being fought on our iPhones. So uh, now a woman can't go to a abortion clinic in Texas, but she can get the abortion pill. And so in 2020, more than half of abortions were being done through the pill. And so, there's only so much you can do at these centers and in a lot of states you can't. So women can still get an abortion, but maybe not in Texas, but they can go across the state line in New Mexico where they can get this pill. They even can get it at CVS and Walgreens now. And so more and more we have to reach these women through advertising. So Brett brings that expertise and we can get more into it later, but he had the ability to recognize a model that use branding and marketing to reach these women when you couldn't reach them physically anymore on the ground and really were shifting in a big way to that uh, model, not totally away from what we did, the direct response ads, but you get women one woman at a time and great, you can help that woman save that baby. But now with branding and marketing using advertising and media, you can reach an awful lot of women and begin to move them uh, to to, to choose life. Mm. So how do you gauge success or how do you know that you, 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 you got the woman who was mm-hmm. going to go get that pill and then she sees an ad or, right. and then she changes her mind. Is there a way of gauging the success of, of your efforts? Well, the, to the direct response advertising, <clears throat> yes, it was very metric based. And so back in the day we could run a TV commercials over a seven week span in a DFW market. For example, we did do this. Um, on certain stations, uh, certain times at night, and we only used a certain phone number. So we knew over that seven-week period how effective those ads were. And then we knew how many of the women called that number, how many made an appointment at a pregnancy help center, how many kept the appointment, and how many chose life. 
And so we could really drill down. And, and donors love that because you could really show the effects. So from a business-like approach, you could demonstrate ROI in a very specific way. Well, now we're moving more to this um, broader approach, uh, a branding approach, and it's harder to measure that. You can measure it over time and see the reductions in abortion. Uh, and we're really moving to this model that an organization called Thrive Pregnancy Resource Centers in St. Louis um, created, perfected, and has been very, very effective. And that's the direction we're moving towards. So uh, a woman finds out she's pregnant, uh she she's abortion minded. Uh, you know, you mentioned on the phone, so she's probably going to go on right. her phone and you know abortion DFW or or mm-hmm. something like that. So what 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 pops up that Heroic Media may be involved in, or how how do you get her? Right. Well, so that's traditionally how we have done it. So they're going to search all kinds of different search words. You know, abortions in Dallas or something like that. And then we have to be in a position where we pop up. But it's moved more from SEO because Google uh, does a lot of things to prevent us from being in those top five to ten. They're not on your side. No, yeah. no, there's lots of trouble there. So we move more to ads. And so ads pop up in the right places, and then they'll call that number. But what's really happening, what Thrive did in St. Louis is what they're doing is branding their services, which are being branded not necessarily as pregnancy services, but women's health care. And they're legitimately women's health care. They have nurses. They provide pregnancy tests, STD testing, STD treatment, um, ultrasounds, you know, the whole bit. And so what they're doing is using billboards and radio ads where these women are, and they're branding their services. So women can use their services before they even are pregnant or before they know they're pregnant or before they really thought about whether or not they want to have an abortion. So they become well-known in these women's minds. And so then when they do need that service, oh, Thrive, yes, I've seen their billboards everywhere. And then they go online on their phones and they Google Thrive. And then, boom, there we go. And then the model, since a lot of women are not going into these abortion centers anymore because they can order the, the pill, uh, we are using telehealth nurses and with COVID, everyone got comfortable doing that. And Planned Parenthood has totally moved to that model. So we have nurses all over the country who it doesn't matter where they are. And these women call, uh, we get them in front of the nurse and it's like a doctor's visit. Uh, you go in and you talk to the nurse and they walk you through more from a healthcare perspective what you're facing. Now they're trying to move you to a mindset of where you really want to understand you have a baby inside of you, a human mm-hmm. being, and that there are other choices and options. And then the the decision to have an abortion is fraught with all kinds of issues, especially now we're learning more and more about the pill. There are a lot of problems with that. And more and more women are suffering from complications with pregnancy or after they choose to uh, terminate the pregnancy uh, by using the pill. So really, uh, there's a difference between the direct response marketing and the branding. Uh, you have to brand and market, though, 24-7, all year, year after year after year, because the abortion rate in Missouri from the time Thrive started running these ads declined very, very steadily. And at the same time, the number of women who contacted Thrive and went into their centers increased very, very steadily. And then... Now, Thrive doesn't claim to have done it all by themselves because uh, Missouri has pretty restrictive abortion laws. And in 2019, they passed one that pretty much eliminated abortion because you couldn't have one after eight weeks. But 
the the rate of abortions was also was already de- uh, decreasing precipitously before that, and then it fell off the map after that. So Planned Parenthood closed their offices in St. Louis and moved out. And so, but Thrive had conditioned women to choose. They, they needed free health care, free women's health care services, and they were already turning to Thrive to the point that there was a lot of word of mouth advertising. Yes, people saw the billboards, but they it became a known brand in the St. Louis market. Mm-hmm. And that's this is, you know, this Brett's book is about this. So Brett's book is Your Pro Life Bottom Line. And the the tagline is how you can help end abortion by investing in groundbreaking consumer marketing strategies that encourage women to choose life. This is a business. We have competition. And we're trying to take away market share from Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers. So the consumer is the woman. It's not the baby. It's the woman. She has a problem. And everything is geared towards her. The look and feel of the billboards, the language we use, it's not sweet, smiling babies. They probably don't care too much about that. But it's trying to empower them to make a good choice for themselves and, of course, uh, their child. Yeah, interesting. Mike Murray is my guest, the new president of Heroic Media. They're online at heroicmedia.org. So what's your kind of day-to-day life of the president of Heroic Media? What are your main responsibilities? Uh, <laughs> what, you know, I mean, also how, how can our listeners help you? So what's uh, the, the day in the life other than doing radio interviews every now and then? Well, this is a lot of fun. I love doing radio interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been doing this a long time, Dave. Um, it's always a great time. So I am the president, but... I'm trying to stand up like a full-fledged development and marketing operation because we're in the business of media and media is expensive and we want to expand very ambitiously. So we want to go in the markets. Uh, we are already in Philadelphia, Oklahoma city, and we want to come in big in Dallas and other places, but you have to have enough money where you can continue to run these ads for a long time. You can't do a few here and a few there. Branding doesn't work that way. I mean, think of Nike and Starbucks and, and Apple, iPhones and the, and all these other brands, it's they're always in front of you, even though they have big market share. Yeah, they continue. you think like everybody knows about McDonald's, but they keep running ads. I mean, it's like right. I, I already know you exist, but, they, <laughs> but you, you got to keep going, right? Right, because they don't want Burger yeah. King to, to have more market share. Yeah. So I'm spending a lot of time right now on the fundraising and marketing function. We had good major gift fundraising, uh, but we need to do more, and we're going to need to do it nationally. We're trying to create a whole grant writing effort, and we're trying to do marketing so we can increase Heroic Media's and Thrive's brand recognition, name recognition, and go into markets. So it really helps when you go to talk to people about making a gift if they've already heard about you, and they understand at least a little bit about what you do and your mission. Yeah. Then you're a little further down the field. So if they've seen you on social media and in other places, then you're just in a much better opportunity. So really the only way to raise tons of money is through large major gifts. So five, six figure gifts and beyond. And so that's the focus. Uh, but marketing is important to help us to get there and, and grant writing is important. And there's, there's lots of ways to raise money. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to just, uh, enlarge that and enhance that. I've already hired a couple people. And, uh, then as we grow, there's more and more functions that I'll have to manage and deal with. Uh, but right now it's, it's fun because it's fun to create something, uh, not from scratch at all, mm-hmm. but a lot of new things. Yeah, and it's 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 fun to envision that, and it's kind of in a way an early stage startup because we're adopting this new brand and we're having to grow. So we're not a purely a startup, of course, but uh, so I always enjoy that. 
Yeah. There was a time when y'all were doing big events. Mm-hmm. I remember for a few years, it was free. You know, it was like a free <laughs> lunch event. You get to go wow. eat. And of course, I'm sure the assumption was, you know, you get a free lunch, make a donation. And it was. Uh, yeah, and, you, <laughs> and you had, uh, I, I gosh, I think uh, Abby Johnson come in one year. Those, they had, they had, you know, thousands Abby and thousands King. of people. Yeah. yeah. Are, are those are those still uh, happening? Or, uh, you know, of course, you're nationwide. Are you going to be putting mm-hmm. events on? Or what, 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 what kind of stuff are you guys going to be doing in the, in the coming years? Yeah, so the events a different model. So they're no longer free and they're really more to develop the brand of the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. So it's still part of Heroic Media, but you have the Prayer Luncheon for Life. It's an award ceremony. And then there's also a weekly podcast that Karen Garnett hosts. So it's more trying to create this national convener of the pro-life movement. And so by recognizing these other innovative uh, pro-life organizations and bringing people together from all over the country. And it has a huge virtual audience. So the in-person audience is smaller, but really it, it just has a different purpose. So that event will be April 21st. There'll be a luncheon. It'll be at the Gaylord and you can go on the Heroic Media website, but also the National Prayer Luncheon for Life website. So it's NPLL, NPL, National Prayer Luncheon for Life.org. And information is starting to roll out on that website about that event. All right. Uh, Mike Murray, president, Heroic Media, heroicmedia.org. Again, the, the event that they're having, April 21st, npll.org, npll.org. So obviously big gifts. Uh, you guys need, you, you said you're hiring a couple people. Do you, do you, do you have any openings? Do you need volunteers? Uh, how else can people that are listening right now help you? Um, I think I'm hired up a little bit for now in terms of development and marketing. So what we need people to do is help spread the word on social media. We're going to become much more prevalent pretty soon on social media, but we have a little bit on LinkedIn. So follow us, uh, repost what we're doing, come to our event. And we, any type of gift is helpful. You need multiple revenue streams when you're doing nonprofit fundraising. So if you're just going to make a gift of a hundred dollar gift or a recurring gift of 25 or a hundred dollars a month, that's huge. And then you begin to receive our stuff. You can engage. And then as time goes along, there, there's just more ways uh, somebody can help us. So really it's giving, but it's also engaging in terms of social media and, you know, read our stuff. We have a pro, we have a magazine that comes out quarterly. We have the podcast. It's on the NPL website. Karen Garnett does every week. Listen to the podcast. We just had Mark Halcon. Remember Mark? Oh, the, yeah. Yeah. He has yeah. a show on our, our station. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So we had him on, I think it was last week's episode. So go listen to that. It's a fascinating story. I know most people know a little bit about it, but we had him on uh, personally. So things yeah. like that. Um, you know, we'd love for people to engage in. Yeah. Just got about one minute remaining. Sure. But you kind of hit on this earlier, but uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, yes. obviously great, great news for the country. Uh, does it make it more challenging to do what you're doing? Because we're like, hey, you know, abortion's done. I know, right. and it's different state to state, and so you have to. It yes. has to be a different strategy. But don't. It's probably be a complex question to ask, and then tell you got 45 seconds. But uh, how does Roe Ro v. Wade overturning uh, affect heroic media? Yeah, so it really doesn't affect us a lot. So obviously, it's an awesome, wonderful thing. Um, but that really affects the supply side of abortions. We are focusing totally on the demand side, which is the woman. So number one, they can go to other states to get an abortion. Number two, they can get the abortion pill, which is going to increase more and more and more. So we're trying to change women and reorient their healthcare choices to more of a, a life-oriented and women's empowering 
uh, healthcare provider. So we're focused on the demand side. So it's awesome, but we don't know if it's going to change the number of abortions in this country or not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mike, thanks so much. Great to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for stopping by again. President of Heroic Media as of January of this year. Uh, go to their website. Heroicmedia.org is the main website. And then also NPLL.org to find out about the April 21st event and also the weekly podcast with Karen Garnett, who, of course, has a long history of pro-life work here in uh, North Texas in particular. And uh, support them. Uh, maybe get one of those big gifts as a result of this <laughs> uh, this radio interview. But uh, th- thanks so much, Mike. Good to see you. Uh, thanks to Diane Xavier. Thank you for listening and uh, supporting all the great groups and efforts here in North Texas to uh, defend life and to spread our faith and all the good work that we're trying to promote here at GRN. If you have suggestions for future interviews, uh, you can email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Did you know that Mother Angelica would be 100 years old this year? In honor of this great occasion, the Guadalupe Radio Network Spring share has the theme of celebrating the 100th birthday of Mother Angelica. It begins on Tuesday, March 21st till Friday, March 24th, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. We ask you to prayerfully consider calling in and making a donation to support Catholic Radio. Every donation of any size will be entered into a drawing for a pilgrimage for two to the EWTN headquarters in Irondale, Alabama. The number to call that week is 800-476-3311. Thank you in advance for your support. The Guadalupe Radio Network thanks Little Elm Eye Care for their support of local Catholic radio. Little Elm Eye Care is owned by Drs. Burt and Leslie Bubella, parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco. They specialize in family vision care, comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and the treatment of eye diseases and injuries. Little Elm Eye Care is located at 1200 East El Dorado Parkway, Suite 100, across from the Little Elm Athletic Complex. They can be reached by calling 972-2920-900 or on the web at littleelmeyecare.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Uh, absolutely delighted uh, <laughs> to share with you over the next 25 minutes information about the Melkite Eparchy in the United States and also the local Melkite community. And I am very, very blessed to have in studio with me the pastor in charge, the administrator of the local Melkite community. His name is Father Mark Malik. If that name sounds familiar, uh, first of all, the Malik name is uh, well-known in the Diocese of Fort Worth in particular, uh, the, the uh, well-known family, uh, but he's also been on the air with us several times talking about this. But he has brought in with him here in studio the newly enthroned and ordained bishop as of uh, October of last year of the uh, Melkite Eparchy in the United States, Bishop Francois Beiruti. And so uh, thanks to both of you for coming in. It's a great honor to have you here. So welcome. Thank you for welcoming us here today. So, uh, Bishop uh, Beirutti, let me start with you. Uh, just the, the basic question a lot of people are probably thinking right now is, what's the Melkite eparchy? Who are the Melkites? Where does it come from? I know you you originally are from Lebanon, Correct. but living here now. Can you give us kind of a bird's eye view of what exactly is this eparchy? So, I, I was born in Lebanon. I left when I was four years old. I lived part of my life in Canada. In the last 10 years, I've been in California, uh, the pastor of Holy Cross Belkite Catholic Parish in the Orange County region near uh, near Los Angeles, or as most people know, the area where Disneyland is. That's kind of what it's more <laughs> most famous for. But uh, hopefully, we were doing a little more than just entertaining people at, at Holy Cross. Um, so our uh, Melkite Catholic eparchy stretches across the United across the United States. We have one diocese. The Melkite Catholic Church goes back to the first Christians 
the Middle East. So if you read the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 11, it was in Antioch that the followers of Christ were first called Christians. And if you think of those names, those cities, those places where Jesus lived and the apostles lived and where they were called, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Nazareth, Samaria, Galilee, Judea, the communities that were established there after the death and resurrection of Christ, that is the ancient roots of the Melkite Catholic Church. So when Christ gathered his disciples and said, go into the whole world and proclaim the good news, they did exactly that. They went out, but also before going out, they actually established communities throughout the entire Middle East and, uh, and northern, northern Africa and Egypt and, and, and areas around that area. And so the faith that has been handed on from those first times is the, the liturgical heritage and spiritual heritage of the Melkite Catholic Church. So St. Peter, of course, uh, everybody knows that St. Peter was martyred in, in, in Rome. But what people often overlook is that St. Peter and Paul both were in the Middle Eastern region of, uh, of the world and that they established churches and that the, the earliest formulation of Christianity took place in that part of the world, which is where the Melkite Catholic Church originates. And now because of immigration and just also people looking for, you know, moving to different parts of the world, the Melkite Catholic Church, although traces its historical roots to that area, is now found throughout the whole world. And in those parts of the world that you just mentioned, going all the way back to, you know, the, the key biblical areas, um, is it a prominent, a lot of uh, people in the, that are identify as Melkites? Is yes, it a large yes. percent so have, of the population? So within the Catholic Church, and actually Pope John Paul, St. Pope John Paul II promulgated a code for the Eastern Catholic Churches. At, second, at the Second Vatican Council, um, the, the word right was used, but then eventually uh, that word developed and was, was used less because the word right refers to a ritual, prayer life. And specifically uh, within the theology and the mindset of the Eastern Catholic churches, we are not just a strange ritual and we have like more incense or less incense than others. We are uh, an apostolic church that goes back right to earliest times. And that's why the Code of Canon Law is actually called the Code of Canon Law for the Eastern Catholic churches. And so the concept here is that within the Catholic church, there, we are in a communion of, of churches, one communion with each other, all forming one holy Catholic church. And that's actually also the irony of the word Catholic. The word Catholic means universal in Latin. Um, in the Greek uh, form, it actually means belonging to the whole, which is a related concept. But in both the Greek and the Latin uh, form of the word, you have to have another part in order to be a whole. Mm-hmm. You can't be a whole onto yourself. You, so that's kind of the, the, the concept within the Catholic Church is that we are one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So we're Catholic, universal in the sense of um, being found around the world. But also the apostolic side of it is that we are connected historically right back to the first proclamation of the good news and the gospel. So in addition to that, when we think of worldwide Catholicism or worldwide Christianity, we think of some of the major theological um, doctrines, the major theological positions that were formulated and are and are and are and are believed universally today. For example, the humanity and divinity of Christ, 
course, that was all formulated in the early ecumenical councils that were held in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. And that's another word that we sometimes need to clarify, east-west. So obviously we're not talking about east-west America or east-west somewhere else. We're referring to the Roman Empire at the time of Christ. And the eastern part of the Roman Empire was the eastern part of the Mediterranean. And the western part of the Roman Empire was basically basically Europe and parts of um, northern Africa on the, on the western, western part. So when we're talking about Eastern Catholic Church, we're, not, we're no longer speaking um, today of geographically where they are located exclusively. We are, we are referring to where the historic roots of that church, just like when we speak of the Roman Catholic Church, Obviously, not all Roman Catholics are in the city of, of Rome, mm-hmm. but all Roman Catholics around wherever they are around the world trace their spiritual, historical, liturgical roots to the, the city of Rome. And just like with us, we trace our roots to the city of Antioch, which is, of course, rooted in the early life of the apostles in in that um, uh, Middle Eastern region, but now spread out throughout the whole world. Well, thank, thank you for that. Uh, that's a great, great background and explanation. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, um, you mentioned 50 parishes in the United States Correct. right now, yes. and it's kind of a diocese that covers the entire United States. Um, Boston, Los Angeles, kind of on the bookends. And where, where, where are the other ones? Yeah. Or what are some of the main cities where you have some of your, your parishes? So we have, uh, within the states, we have two cathedrals, but we have, we have five regions. And we have a western region, which covers, um, everything on the west, the west coast, everything along the, the Pacific, and then also, um, uh, a parish in, in, in Phoenix, Arizona. So that's kind of our western region. But then we have a Great Lakes region, a New England region, Mid-Atlantic region, and of course the Southern region, which we are in today. And one of the things we're trying to do is we don't necessarily need a diocese in every single one of those regions right now because of our numbers, but we have region, regional, what we call proto-presbyters who, who form, uh, who, who, who organize the, the priests and the communities in that region. And of course I try to visit as much as possible to, to reach out to those communities. And what is particularly unique being here in Texas is that our fastest growing region is, is here in Texas with, mm-hmm. with Father Mark starting a new outreach two years ago here in the, in the Fort Worth Dallas region. Um, and reaching out to first Calth- uh, Melkite Catholics who are, you know, canonically Melkite, those who are historically Melkite, those who have had some contact in the past with the Melkite Catholic Church, whether locally or universally, but also Realizing that all Catholic churches are never um, limited to themselves. We are open to the world. Just like Christ said, go to all nations and proclaim the good news. So in North America, specifically in, in the United States of America, we have moved, moved predominantly to English in most of our communities. Some communities that have more recent immigrants um, have liturgies and prayers in Arabic. But for the most part, the community here in the Fort Worth, Dallas area is all in English so that those who want to experience the Melchite Catholic Divine Liturgy, which is part of the Byzantine family of the Catholic Church, and at the same time, uh, remain Catholic. Uh, so when you're going to a Melchite Catholic liturgy, it's not like you have to go to a, another Roman Rite liturgy in the morning to, to kind of like <laughs> make, sure, make sure you get it all in, because as right. Catholics, and Melchite Catholics sometimes go to other communities, uh, but as, uh, as a Melchite Catholic Church, our doors are open for everybody to experience what that means to be fully Catholic, 
And also, once again, quoting Pope St. John Paul II, um, the Catholic Church needs to learn how to breathe with its two lung, two lungs, its eastern and its western lungs. So we we establish, we establish these communities uh, for that fulfillment or that fullness of Catholicity, but also to to minister to our faithful um, that are spread out throughout the whole the whole country. And it's not always easy to establish parishes because our numbers are very often small and scattered. Mm-hmm. So just like one parish, a Roman Catholic parish might be in um, a particular neighborhood, here we are um, establishing a community in the great metroplex of the Fort Worth, Dallas area, which, as you can imagine, is a little challenging. But we yeah. also have great signs of hope because we see people sometimes driving an hour, an hour and a half, and sometimes even more. We have a one family who that lives in Oklahoma, and they drive once a month to this area to to participate and to be uh, to be present in the divine liturgy. So yeah, well, that's our community across the states. In in brief, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, bring Father Mark Malik into the conversation. And you know, we there's a Byzantine liturgy here in North Texas. There's a Maronite parish, Our Lady of Lebanon, and. Um, you know, when you're talking about people driving in from Oklahoma, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the local uh, outreach that you are leading here in North Texas and um, just anything that you'd like to our listeners should know about what you're doing right now here locally? Yes, as as uh, Sedin is what we call our bishop in uh, in Arabic and it's a common name. As Sedin mentioned, we've, uh, we started November 15, uh, 2020 at the gracious invitation of the Ruthenian priest, in Irving, St. Basil's Ruthenian Parish, Catholic Parish in Irving. We began to meet there for Divine Liturgy every Sunday, and we at noon. Uh, shortly thereafter, we found out we could actually start doing the last part of our Sunday morning prayer uh, at 11.45. And uh, we also meet every Friday. We have a, pr- a Friday parish night, which begins at 7 p.m. with Vespers, evening prayer, every Friday, followed by Fellowship. And uh, on the second and fourth Fridays of the month, I we do a catechesis of faith formation, family formation. And uh, anybody who's interested even in the Byzantine Melkite uh, or Byzantine tradition, anyways, welcome to that, even if you're exploring. And on the uh, first, uh, third, and fifth Fridays of the month, I will uh, hear confessions. And we just have fellowship and people uh, hang out together and visit. They bring, they, it's a potluck, people bring dishes. It's very, very important. Uh, our parish really rests on a three, three-leg stool of liturgy, a, a, commun- a faith formation, and a communal life. So it's Fridays and Sundays. We're getting ready to go to Great Lent. So actually it'll change for Great Lent. Uh, we'll be having what's called Great Compline on Tuesday nights, about 50 minutes. We'll be doing liturgy to pre-sanctify gifts. On Thursdays, that probably doesn't make a lot of sense to people, but they're welcome to come. Both will be at 7 p.m. at St. Basil's, um, and we're found on the web page. People can go to uh, dfwmelkitecatholic.org, dfwmelkitecatholic.org. We have our schedule there, our calendar there, because uh, our Lenten schedule will change a little bit. We'll be meeting at Mount Carmel Center for our Sunday liturgies, but we'll continue to meet um, at uh, St. Basil's for the Tuesday and Thursday special Lenten Liturgies. All right. Well, thank you for that that update. And uh, again, that's Father Mark Malik, who is the priest in charge and the administrator of the DFW Catholic Outreach of the uh, Melkite uh, 
uh, parish, I guess we can call it, uh, here in North Texas, meeting at St. Basil's uh, in Irving. Also, as I mentioned before, Bishop Francois Beruti, the newly enthroned and ordained bishop of the Melkite Epochary in the United States. And when I look at uh, what you are tasked with, Bishop, it's a, a little uh, dizzying to think you've got these 50 communities spread out across a vast country like this from, you know, shore to shore. And is this kind of what you're doing here locally is you're just kind of pop, um, visiting correct, each yeah. one? Is that kind of what you're, you're the first few months of your... That's uh, correct. Yeah. So um, I've told people often and I tell you and all our listeners, now I know exactly why everybody prays for bishops every time they gather for the for the Mass or the Divine Liturgy in our case. So I invite all of you to continue praying for your bishops and for me because the task, even if you're, if you're stationary, there are a lot of responsibilities that come your way. And... Um, thinking of not only current needs, but also future projection and uh, future growth. Yeah, so um, in the last uh, basically three months that I've been ordained, I was uh, in the chancery in Boston for about a week and a half, and then I was on the road again. And then before I came here, I was in the chancery for five days. So in total, probably I've been in the chancery for two weeks and doing most <laughs> of my my work in, in offices and hotels and, and airports. So... Um, I, I hope that the schedule will, will, will change a little, but at this point, I think it's very important for me to visit our communities, get to know them, because nothing can replace getting to know people personally, and I think that's very important, because a lot of our churches are growing, and some some of them have questions, and uh, I always try to make an, an effort to um, get to know the lay people, get to know the priests, get to know the communities, get to know the buildings, get to know kind of their concerns and thoughts, because that, that way in the future, when we're, we're in touch with each other, I'll have at least a point of reference of uh, what, uh, what, what the community looks and feels like. Uh, in, in general, the, our, my predecessor, Bishop Nicholas Samra, would, uh, he, you know, he, was, he was a bishop, the eparchial bishop of, of, of our diocese for 11 years. And also, you know, he, was, he was a priest in the diocese and an auxiliary bishop before that. So he knew the diocese very, very well. I'm, I'm, I was the pa- pa- parish priest. Uh, and pastor, so I didn't really know all the ins and outs of organization. So there's an element of of learning. There's an element of pastoral outreach. There's an element of listening as well, listening to where our communities are, and then also trying to bring our our parishes together in a spirit of unity. And that's why we are having our clergy conference next week in San Antonio. So um, I'm sure that the schedule, like your question, is it will will change a bit, but it's not going to be uh, an easy schedule where I'm. Where I'm staying in the chancery um, all year all year round, and just occasional visits here and there. Mm. Uh, visits are are going to be an important part of my pastoral ministry to continue to reach out, and also very often what I do when I go to a parish, we try to organize some sort of uh, a talk, a lecture, um, a, a meetings with different groups. So tomorrow morning here, we're meeting with the parish leaders. When I was in San Antonio. I was I stayed at, at Assumption Seminary and I gave a talk to the seminarians. I had a chance to meet the rector and sit down and have questions answer with the seminarians. And then I also had a a, a TV interview with the uh, San Antonio Catholic Radio Catholic TV. Sorry, <laughs> uh, San Antonio Catholic TV can't. Uh, and then uh, also had a public lecture on the biblical roots of the Eucharist at our parish. And there was also very special because the Archbishop Archbishop Gustavo gave us um, at least us a church for 15 years for a dollar a year, which was always a ble- also a blessing. So 
it's an opportunity to get to know the community and also get to know the local Roman Catholic hierarchs in the in the area wherever I go. So for all those reasons, um, it's going to be a, a, a traveling life, but at the same time, it'll be a pastoral life of reaching out to communities and getting to know them and bringing them um, a sense of unity with our other parishes which are spread across the United States. Yeah. And the, the, you're not married, right? I'm not married. Okay. I was a bishop. So in the Melchite Catholic Church, uh, a man who is married can be ordained a deacon or, or priest. Okay. And then uh, the bishops are chosen from the celibate clergy. It's a good thing because I don't think any wife would put know, up with your schedule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of complicated. Yeah. No, I, I think and, that's one of the yeah. blessings of the celibacy Correct. is that you can travel Absolutely. and you're not, yeah. you know, I don't have a wife at home yeah. saying, "When are you going to get home?" Yeah. You know, you're you're doing the Lord's work. So we're blessed also with with several. I don't have the the full number right now because uh, you know the the some are some are in active ministry, some are retired, but we have a good number, at least ten to fifteen married priests. Um, who are in some cases some, sometimes even serving the parishes with their wives. And uh, so it's been a blessing for us to have priests uh, serving in that way as well. You are an educator. I, I, you teach courses yes. and um, on uh, in the Christianity in the Middle East and hermeneutics and exegesis and Christian, Eastern Christianity. What, what other uh, areas of expertise do you have as far? And you you're, uh, actually have a PhD, so you're a yes. d- doctor, right? Right, yeah. So yeah. I, I teach at the St. Paul University in Ottawa, um, after I was ordained a priest, I, I taught hermeneutics and exegesis in Eastern Christianity. And then I went, uh, and then also all the other courses, the history of, of Christianity in the Middle East. And then I also taught the synoptics with the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Ottawa's deacon formation program. And then since then, I've also taught several online courses on, um, the, the, uh, the scripture in the, and, and the liturgy and the lectionary. Um, I did my, my PhD, my doctorate on origin of Alexandria's commentary on the Gospel of John. And if you want, my specialty was early, the early Christian, early uh, Christian interpretation of, of scripture. Mm. Um, and so that's been my, my field. And I've always kind of loved to see the biblical roots of the liturgy, the biblical roots of our, of our, of the sacraments and the mysteries and everything that we do. So the teaching has been an important part of my life. And, uh, and now as things are moving online, Hope to develop some things when when I have a, a little bit of free free time somewhere. <laughs> when life settles down a little bit, uh, we're down to our last uh, few minutes. We're talking about the Melkite Eparchy and the local parish. Uh, here in DFW, very honored to have uh, the newly enthroned and ordained Bishop of the Melkite Eparchy, Bishop Francois Beiruti, along with uh, his priest in charge here locally, Father Mark Malik, uh, the administrator of the DFW Catholic Outreach. I uh, just want maybe one, one more question for each of you. And uh, Father Mark Malik, uh, it's great that Texas is the the, the booming uh, region of the country for the Melkite um, right. Well, why do you think that is? What's going, what's going on here in Texas that's, that's um, uh, where you're, you are seeing increasing numbers, would you say? Well, due to the, due the influx of uh, immigrants and also uh, in this last year, uh, I, we won't get into the reasons why, but Melkites are leaving California, but they're coming here. Oh, they're okay. coming here. I mean, it's a, but, uh, and what's really beautiful about having this outreach here is, yes, Melkites are coming here for various economic, social upheaval reasons around the world in the Middle East, but also for whatever reason they're coming here from other parts of the state, uh, other, the United States. We've picked up a family, the Melkite family from Virginia at our parish and uh, at least three from California. And what happens, what's been happening too often is the Melkites will move into a region and there's no 
church for them. And so they drift away from their tradition. And by the time you get to the second, third generation, as I find in this, in this, in this metroplex, I've met a number of these families. Well, they've already, in, they've already gotten connected to a Latin parish or the Maronite parish, but it's unfortunate because, uh, we're, we lose our, our people. So yeah. this is, uh, uh, people are able to come home. But that's, that's really where we're picking up, uh, most of our people there, the, the trans, transplants, people moving into the, yeah. into the metroplex. And if somebody has been going to a Nova Sordo or they're just a, an Anglo, you know, Roman Rite Catholic, they're very welcome in your community, right? Yes, they don't have to have right any kind right of now. Right now, I would say we have about close to 30 committed households. About 10 of those are actual Melkites. Uh, 13 are Latin Rite Catholics who've, who found a spiritual home with us. So if you're Catholic, and we actually have a couple of Protestants coming. And, uh, and yes, so we're open to the, uh, we're open to anybody. The nons, as they call them, the nons, and the people who reject our religion, we're we're open to those people too. And could you give your? Uh, we got literally a minute and a half to go, and I want to have a blessing from uh, the the bishop. Uh, can give your contact information again, how people can get a hold of you or the yes, website. If you want to go to uh, dfw melkitecatholic dot org, dfw catholic dot org. You'll find my phone number there, my email address, also the address of where we meet for our liturgies, uh, especially even when we're changing. Uh, all right, very good. Um, uh, Bishop uh, Francois uh, Beiruti, thank you for being here. It's an honor to meet you. Father Malik, also, thank you for being here. Uh, would you, could you close us in a blessing? Sure, we'll close with one of the prayers that uh, we have in our, in our prayer book from the Ninth Ode. Uh, we very much emphasize the role of Mary, the Mother of God, um, in all our prayers, so in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. O you who have given birth and time to the one whom no limit of time can hold, you thus have become the mother of God in a manner beyond understanding and beyond words. We, the faithful, magnify you with one mind through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, O Lord Jesus Christ, our God. Have mercy on us and save us. Amen. amen. All right. Thank you very much to both of you. And thank you, uh, Diane Xavier, for running the board. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have suggestions for future interviews, you can get a hold of me directly at DavePalmer at GRNOnline.com. This has been the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at the same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Are you tired of working from home? If so, you're invited to check out WorkSuites, a new sponsor of KATH 910 AM owned by Flip Howard from St. Thomas Aquinas Parish in Dallas. WorkSuites is designed for professionals who desire their own workspace to get their work done. WorkSuites provides amenities such as a receptionist, mail and package handling, meeting rooms, and high-speed internet. To learn more about WorkSuites, you can visit WorkSuites.com or call 888-312-WORK. That's work, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. He said he would leave me if I didn't do it. He didn't want a baby. I had the abortion and he left anyway. Now I'm left with sadness and grief and I'm all alone. We at Healing After Abortion understand this pain. Whether you thought it was your only option or felt pressured to make the decision, abortion has touched many of us. Join us on March 17th through 19th on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. Call us confidentially at 214-544-CARE or visit us at racheldallas.org. 
Hello, I'm Joshua Stafish, a member of Modern Day Parish in Irving and a new sponsor here at KATH 910AM. I'm the co-owner of Absolute Painting. We serve customers throughout the DFW Metroplex, help them with home improvement projects, both interior and exterior, along with painting, drywall, foundation repairs, and other projects, large and small. I welcome your opportunity to prepare an estimate for your next project. You can find us at absoluteptg.com or by phone and text at 972-375-5100. Irish eyes are smiling on Bella House, a faith-based home for pregnant women, and all KETH 910 AM listeners are invited to celebrate the gift of life, St. Patrick, and family at St. Rita Parish's Sweeney Hall on Saturday, March 18th from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. Come enjoy delicious food from McGuire's Restaurant, live Irish music from the Beyond the Pale Band, plus Irish dancing. Tickets can be purchased at bellahouse.org irish. That's bellahouse.org irish. This is Julie Carrick with We Sing Our Faith, bringing you a great song from Tori Harris from her album Sweet Delore, Hearts Once Stone. I am dust, and dust I will be, and you will breathe life into me, and all
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 